All right, we have our first interview here at ICA in Edinburgh with uh, Wolf von Kumberg, and he is going to be talking about, uh, in the afternoon session three, about the post-pandemic, it's called the Post-Pandemic Dispute Resolution Toolbox. Um, but you're an independent arbitrator and mediator, so you have probably looked at these aspects from both sides, both as an arbitrator and as a mediator. And I believe, and you're going to tell us a bit more now, that you're going to discuss this kind of mixed-mode approach that uh, parties and council can take in investment arbitration, commercial arbitration, both? In, in both, actually, yes. Okay. Well, if you wouldn't mind introducing us to the topic and kind of what you plan to speak about at the conference. Right, absolutely, Brian, and thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Um, I, I must say that uh, perhaps to frame it, first of all, uh, I was uh, in-house counsel for over 25 years for a number of aerospace technology companies. Uh, and uh, really, I also approach it from the user's perspective because right. I think that's uh, really key here. Uh, but as you say, uh, I am uh, an independent arbitrator and mediator now. So also have very good understanding uh, for it from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the, you know... They, they introduced it as a post-pandemic toolbox, but do you think that this has been existing already? Well, it's interesting because, of course, it has been postponed a couple of times. <laughs> so the uh, original intent was for this to be done before the pandemic, when we didn't know about the pandemic. Uh, and so we were already talking about that. Uh, they now wanted us to uh, perhaps see whether the pandemic has affected it in any way, but uh, it was already a topic right. uh, which was being discussed. And, and mixed mode, I must say, has been uh, a topic for discussion uh, now for, for several years. Um, it's really taking a look at how we can use the various ADR techniques uh, to bring about uh, resolution. Mm -hmm. So rather than having everything siloed, uh, and saying, well, there's, uh, you know, uh, negotiation, there's mediation, uh, there's arbitration, there's the state court litigation. I mean, it's, it's seeing how you can actually combine those okay. uh, into uh, a more effective means of utilizing ADR. And obviously there's an issue of consent between the parties to engage in these different modes. Um, maybe as general counsel, you saw that, what, what is the likelihood that parties are going to be keen to adapt a structure that would more suit them commercially, perhaps. Right. Well, you know, in, in my own experience over the years and, and really negotiating contracts and disputes clauses, um, what uh, had become prevalent now for quite some time, I'd, I'd say uh, probably for the last 10 or 15 years, are stepped uh, dispute clauses. So that's really mm -hmm. the beginning of this. Right. So you start uh, looking at uh, contractually agreeing with parties, what, what uh, modes are we going to use if we get into uh, a dispute? And, and typically the stepped clauses would start with negotiation between senior management. Uh, if that didn't work uh, over a certain period of time, then you'd move to mediation. Mm -hmm. If that didn't work, then you could arbitrate or litigate. So, so that typically were the stepped clauses. So that was already, I think, the nucleus of starting to look at mixed modes because you had different types of uh, tools that you were suggesting. So yes, that would be agreed uh, between the parties. And uh, of course, typically that is 
how you would uh, deal with any uh, type of dispute issue. I mean, mm -hmm. unless it's something that's written in the contract, um, even in an ad hoc situation, you'd have to agree that with, with right. the other party because otherwise they wouldn't uh, participate in it. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, even when they do agree, you think that these negotiation provisions sometimes, I mean, maybe you would have a better insight into this, but sometimes it's just a cooling off period and nothing happens. You know, do these clauses when agree, when written into the contract and agreed actually help or is it just a cooling off period to wait till they get into formal arbitration. Well, it's interesting, and, and you know I've had this debate over the years with uh, many people as to whether you, these uh, step dispute clauses actually are useful or mm -hmm. not. Um, many, uh, particularly external lawyers, who then get involved in the dispute once it uh, uh, materializes, they would say, well, often if you have a mediation clause, uh, it's too early to actually mediate because mm -hmm. you don't have enough of the facts yet. You have to develop those. So these clauses are a bit of a hindrance, actually, oh, allowing us to continue then with arbitration or litigation. So we have to go through those hoops, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and because I've been involved in mediation for over 20 years now, uh, since I, I first took the CEDAR course and qualified as a mediator, um, so even as, as an in-house lawyer, I, I was very keen on mediation and I, I understood the process. Right. Also arbitration, because I became a fellow of the Chartered Institute uh, back in the 90s already, so I knew a lot about arbitration as well. Uh, and that served me in good stead because I, I really understood when I dealt with uh, other parties and negotiated these clauses, what, what that actually meant. And, right. and so it, it, was, it was very useful. But um, I, I think, you know, my, my view is um, you might say it's early to mediate. Mm -hmm. and, and there are certainly situations where that is the case. There isn't enough known uh, about uh, some of the facts uh, giving rise to the dispute. But mediation is a very interesting tool because it actually explores with the parties what is uh, the, the current of any issue, right? What, what's at the heart of the issue? Right. Um, and and um, so it actually develops that understanding or knowledge in its own process. So mm -hmm. when lawyers say it's too early to do that, what they mean really is uh, maybe to negotiate um, in a um, party to party type negotiation where you don't really understand the facts. But mediation develops the facts, actually. Okay. And, and so I've, I've been at many mediations where at first that's the attitude of the parties, that we're just going to go through this process, but we're not actually going, it's not going to resolve anything. Mm. Um, where through the process, in fact, the, the matter is resolved because the parties come to understand uh, what the issues are. And most important in mediation, and it, it really works best, if the decision makers are there. So you have to have the decision makers there, the, the senior people who actually have to make a determination. Right. And my own experience uh, is that um, disputes arise on programs because the programs people uh, have uh, either uh, lost uh, communication with each other or there's misunderstanding or sometimes there's even animosity between the different parties. Um, but it hasn't been elevated to a senior level within the companies. Mm. And the senior people have a completely different perspective over relationships, right. uh, over future contracts, that type of thing. And so they take a much more pragmatic view than the people who are down in the weeds who are actually working. Who just want to fight. Yeah. So if they're there at the mediation, 
you've got a much better opportunity to find a resolution because they're going to look much more broadly at the dispute than yes. simply the issues uh, in, in that particular dispute. I had a negotiation just the other day, and it was one of those... Um, we The lawyers saw that there could be an opportunity to negotiate a settlement, and then we had someone... It, probably, it wasn't the most senior person there, and there was definitely just some pushback. And then they always have the the uh, safety net of saying, well, I have to get this approved, so I can't yeah. kind of do anything about it. I've got an interesting story, actually, yes, uh, from my, my days at Northrop, where uh, we had a, an important contract that we're working on, and we had a, a license agreement from a, a Korean uh, company, a software development company, to utilize uh, their software. Uh, and um, we uh, felt that we that license extended to this particular contract that we were working on, the Korean company took a different position. They said it didn't extend to that type of uh, of, of uh, work, and and so uh, they were actually looking to enjoin us from actually using their so software on that particular project. It was a very important project for us, um, and so we actually got the president of Northrop Grumman Corporation oh, wow. uh, to sit down with the president of this very small Korean software <laughs> company. You can imagine uh, yeah. the dynamics there. Um, and, and uh, because he was willing to do that and because of the culture in Korea where, you know, that was very important, it was actually a face, you know, saving face. Uh, and, and because he sat down with him and, and he, he started off by saying, we apologize if you feel that uh, uh, we've, uh, you know, improperly taken your software. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that we had, but he said well, that he <laughs> if felt. You feel that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but it broke the ice, and it, it was incredible. So they actually then uh, we we uh, renegotiated the license agreement with oh, them, and, and that was the outcome of the mediation. Um, but it was critical that uh, that we we got that, and and so it it really showed me the the power of mediation and how you can actually strategically use it. Yes. Uh, to come to a result. I mean, if we battled this through the courts, right, mm -hmm. and we might have been successful, but how long would that have taken? And how expensive, yeah. And how expensive would that have been, right? And we wouldn't have had a relationship with that company anymore, which was an important relationship for yes. us. Is, I mean, the, the topic of the panel is post-pandemic. Do you think that there's been any shift or any modernization of these approaches or maybe more nimble, flexible type of approach to this? Well, I'll tell you, the pandemic um, has really, I think, uh, now created a catalyst for collaborative approaches. Okay. And the reason for that is, and, and you know, it was interesting when going into the pandemic at first, I thought we would have an avalanche of claims. Right. That's because, you know, everything was disrupted and people would... Uh, then insist on their legal rights under the contract. And then you'd have all these arguments about force majeure. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, what we've seen is that hasn't really happened. What's happened is business uh, has been much more pragmatic in how they've dealt with that, particularly supply chain issues, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because we've seen so many uh, disruptions now with supply chain, and they are so critical to virtually every business. Right. Um, and so you've had to find ways uh, to uh, work around uh, the, uh, the, the disruption. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so the only way you can do that is by sitting down and collaboratively, you know, discussing 
the legal relationship and restructuring it. I mean, right. that, and arbitration or litigation simply won't do that for you, right? right? You might get some money out of it, but that, at the end of the day, isn't the essence, right? right. Uh, it's maintaining those relationships. And, and so I think that's taught business uh, that there is a different way of doing it. Yes. And I think we're going to find moving forward, and because we continue to have the disruption, of course, not just with COVID, but with war in Ukraine, right. uh, climate change. Climate change is going to be a huge issue. The energy transition from fossil to sustainable. Just think of all of the uh, different uh, relationships that are uh, at the moment tied up in fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. They're all going to have to evolve in some way. And again, the only way that's going to happen is through some kind of collaborative negotiation, right. whether it's facilitated like mediation is, because it's just a form of negotiation. Right. Um, and, and so I think uh, really the, uh, uh, there's a huge change there mm. in, in mindset in particular, in culture. Right. Uh, and I think that's going to stay with us. Because everyone is affected. It's not like one party Absolutely. experienced this hardship. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, um, I've been involved in talking now with a number of the oil majors about how do they deal with particularly their agreements with states mm -hmm. because, you know, they've got long-term concession agreements. Many of the oil companies now are looking to move to sustainable mm -hmm. um, and are, are, are going to uh, either um, withdraw from fossil or, or will draw down on their fossil investments. Right. And so um, they're looking actually then to, to try to uh, negotiate that with governments mm -hmm. who themselves are now looking to meet their net zero goals um, and and have to deal with these long-term contracts that they have right, right with these companies so you can see that there is uh, certainly motivation for both of them mm -hmm. to do something about that so um, you know investor state claims through arbitration I mean that's that's a possibility for these companies if they have concessions, of course, that are terminated. But is that really going to uh, help them you yes. know, in their long-term strategy? It's not. No. So it's going to be a situation where I think we'll increasingly see um, these other modes. And, 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 and when we come back to our topic, which is mixed modes, mm -hmm. is trying to utilize a number of different ones. So you, know, you might uh, agree to have some kind of facilitated negotiation Maybe if that fails, you have some kind of fast-track arbitration to deal with any particular points uh, that uh, are in dispute and right. that can't be agreed. And then maybe going back to uh, some form of, of mediation to, to deal with uh, uh, the, uh, the long-term um, uh, effects of whatever that determination is. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, in investor-state disputes, and I've, I've spent a lot of time now working on mediation in investor-state disputes okay. for the last six years with ICSID and with uh, the ECT, the Energy Charter Treaty uh, Secretariat. And um, it's very interesting, states themselves, and, and the ECT is really made up of 54 states, mm -hmm. they were the ones that were looking for some type of alternative to just arbitration in the I, in ISDS, um, and it's interesting. And I've got to give Meg Kinnear, the, the Secretary General of ICSID, a lot of credit for this. Uh, she really felt that mediation had to be introduced to 
ICSID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this March, they actually promulgated their own mediation rules. So they, of course, have their arbitration rules. They have their conciliation rules right. and then mediation. But mediation and conciliation in the ICSID format are, are very, very different. Exactly. Um, and, and so it's interesting. She said that uh, when ICSID first uh, started, uh, they believe that the conciliation rules would be used extensively. How funny. And it's, there have only been 13 conciliations. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I, I don't think I've even heard of one. Yeah, there are, well, they do occasionally occur. Um, but it's, it's funny because, because you would have thought some non-binding mm-hmm. uh, uh, remedy would be something states and investors would, would prefer. Right. And you get recommendations and then you decide whether you follow them or not. No, in fact, it's been arbitration. And, you know, I don't know if you blame that on the lawyers. I mean, I can't say that, uh, yeah. <laughs> whether they hijacked the whole system. Well, that's right. But, but in any event, um, the fact that ICSID now has as mediation rules, I think, will give a lot of uh, legitimacy to mediation because mm-hmm. it's clearly something that uh, can be utilized. I think the Singapore Convention gives a lot of legitimacy of to mediation as well. Uh, you know, whether to and to what extent that will be used in, in ISDS, because some states have already uh, taken um, a, uh, an exception to the uh, Singapore Convention applying to the state itself, Correct. even though they signed the, uh, the treaty. Um, but, uh, but I think it gives, again, mediation legitimacy and, and mm. the fact that states have actually signed up to the convention. Do you think you were talking about the energy transition and then uh, the promulgation of the ICSID mediation rules? Do you think that that was kind of the lead um, policy shift was these energy disputes that have lasted forever and these you know, repetitive cases about the same uh, piece of legislation that came out to do the energy transition? Do you think that was on ICSID's the forefront of ICSID's mind, or do you think it was uh, always lingering in the background and this is just the time to bring it up? Um, I, I think uh, probably there are, are a number of, of reasons for it. I think because um, I think ISDS over the last maybe 10 years um, has faced a, a fair amount of criticism, particularly mm-hmm. from the EU. Um, and the EU, of course, is looking to set up a, a commercial court actually right. to deal with these these matters. Um, I, I think ICSID felt that they themselves had to make some a move to perhaps um, find uh, an additional alternative. Expand the toolkit. Yeah, right. yeah, precisely. And so they, they've really done that here. Mm. And I think, again, you know, that gives the possibility of utilizing mixed mode for uh, also ISDS disputes, mm-hmm. uh, whereby you might have a mediation running in parallel with an arbitration. And um, I've, I've done this a number of times where I've been the mediator while an arbitration is actually also uh, ongoing. So um, while the, the arbitrators and the mediator are different, so oh, we're, we're not talking about med arb, med, no, not right. switching hats, right. uh, which of course, you know, is, is also a possibility. And some jurisdictions actually have provided for it. But uh, no, I'm, I'm talking about um, both the mediation and the arbitration uh, being instigated at the same time. So you've got... Uh, the arbitration and the tribunal uh, already there. They will, in their scheduling order, provide for uh, some time uh, for mediation to take place as well. So it's built into the scheduling order. Uh, and um, the, the mediator is, is there uh, right from the outset. So um, you can start with mediation, for example. Okay. There may be certain issues that have to be arbitrated and, and they can go to the arbitrators and then the matter can come back to 
mediation. Um, and uh, it so the two are separate. I mean, yeah. there's no there, there's no interface between the mediator and the arbitrators. The arbitrators know the mediation is going on. Right. Um, but uh, and and so they can. And it's up to them, of course. Uh, how interventionist they are. They may at some point, you know, say this might be something you'd like to take to mm-hmm. the mediator. Um, and uh, that, that I think, is evolving. And I, I believe that um, it will eventually become perhaps part of the norm. Um, the ICC, I just sat on a task force with them where we were looking at precisely that. Okay. Um, and I think as um, arbitrators understand that there is more of a role for them in um, creating off-ramps, perhaps, for for settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, they will feel more confident that they can make some comments about it because I think arbitrators are still very concerned that if they, they might be showing some kind of bias right. if, if they're suggesting <laughs> that a party go Well, that was my mediation. next question, which is, you know, you see this trend... Um, moving forward and it's who do you see it as from the arbitrator mediator perspective advocating for these types of mixed mode or do you think it's council and the parties trying to advocate for it? where do you see who's leading the charge and changing to the mix you mode? know it's interesting I, I think it's a combination mm-hmm. um, and I, because everybody is starting to to really look at that the institutions are looking at it definitely right uh, and are creating situations where um, they uh, are making uh, mediation uh, either mandatory, like the AAA does actually in, in their um, arbitration rules, their domestic arbitration rules. You have to uh, have attempted mediation ah. before you can actually set the matter down for uh, arbitration. And so um, that's created certainly in the U.S. a situation where either mediations take place beforehand, which is typically the case, although now increasingly... Um, they are being run in parallel. So as long as you have the mediation uh, established, then you can also proceed I with see. the arbitration. So, so I think the institutions are creating that kind of situation, uh, or they're at least creating guidelines where that can occur, mm-hmm. like the ICC is, is doing. Um, and um, I think users, certainly sophisticated users um, you know, who understand uh, the process uh, probably are discussing with council, yes. you know, how they can build that into their strategy, their, uh, their dispute strategy. Um, and then I think certainly uh, mediators and arbitrators as uh, the institutions are including this possibility mm-hmm. uh, increasingly will also utilize it. I mean, I think, and, and I, I have a lot, a lot of uh, German colleagues who would say, well, this is something we're used to anyway, because in the German court system, the judges uh, actually uh, attempt to find a settlement with the parties before right. uh, it's actually set down for a hearing. And so I think uh, if you, from a continental st- uh, um, mindset, um, this isn't really strange. I mean, you know, I, and I think you'll find um, civil law arbitrators are, are going to be much more open to making suggestions to parties mm-hmm. about settlement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the takeaway really is, you know, get the most senior people in the room, uh, have the open mind to engage in these types of things, and have something that can facilitate it, some sort of formal or informal uh, kind of setup so that you can negotiate. I've been in a few negotiations with just between the councils, and it went nowhere. 
very quickly. <laughs> yeah, because those are, are, are uh, really rights-based uh, negotiations. Both of you are arguing for the rights of your party, which right. you should. I mean, that's what uh, uh, lawyers that's are paid for, yeah. right? Uh, but in fact, of course, mediation is needs-based. So you're looking at what, what are the real needs for these parties to find a resolution? What, what do they really want Absolutely. out of this, right? It's not who's right or wrong, legally speaking, but rather, you know, um, how can we uh, resolve this problem that we have? And, and I think this is the interesting thing. Um, I've, I've taught mediation advocacy to, to lawyers, even in New York, New York lawyers uh, who are hardened uh, litigators, um, and they then recognize that they can actually use mediation strategically mm-hmm. um, and, and try to get the best deal for, it, for, their, um, for their party by working with the mediator. And, you know, I find when I'm uh, sitting as a mediator, uh, the best mediations I have is when I can work together collaboratively with the council because right. they are such an important part to the mediation and, and, and help then to work with their clients. Um, and, and so increasingly, as, as lawyers understand that and understand mediation advocacy, uh, they're uh, very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not obstructionist like, you know, maybe 20 years ago you would have said <laughs> they were obstructionist, but today they're right. not. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's partially because a lot of firms, of course, now also have mediation practices. So they've got lawyers who understand mediation advocacy. They're the ones that go to the mediations with the mm-hmm. parties. Um, and uh, they understand how to utilize the mediation for, the, for their benefit. Well, very interesting. I'm sure everyone's looking forward to the panel. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you and very we'll much. And see for you around me. the Congress. Thank you. <laughs>